You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. All right, take a seat. Take your Bibles out. Open to 2 Timothy chapter number 2 tonight. While you're doing that, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Jeff Williams. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the pastor here at First Denton. And uh, glad to be here with you tonight. I want to take a few moments to talk to you about uh, sort of the history of overflow and the history of college ministry at First Baptist Church. And then I want to talk to you about the future of it as well. Now, I've been here for 19 and a half years. How many of you I got here before you were born? Let me see your hand. You're under nine. Oh, that's what I thought. A lot of you. All right. Now, I just say that to say this. I've been here for a while. And uh, when you're at a church that long, when the average tenure of pastors is about three or four years... When you've been here 19 years, you see a lot of things happen through the years. When I first got here 19 and a half years ago, uh, First Denton did not have a, a college minister. Uh, we had a youth minister, and the youth minister kind of did some things, and, and he had, I think he had an intern that did some college ministry. And so there wasn't a whole lot going on uh, for college students here at First Denton. So I'd been here maybe a year or two, and I, and I went to our church, and I said, Hey, I think we need to have a college minister. And they agreed with me, and so we hired a guy by the name of Rob Merriman. And Rob came in, and he was our college minister, and he got some things going here at the church, and, and some things on the campus, and uh, Rob was here for a few years, and, and Rob got married, and not long after that, Rob left to go pastor a church in East Texas. And we hated to see him go, but we were excited that he was going to, to pastor a church, and he's still out there in East Texas pastoring that same church today. Not long after that, uh, we started looking again, and we found a guy by the name of Scott Venable. Scott Venable came, and, and he kind of began to build upon what Rob had done here in college ministry, and he was the creator, the founder of Overflow, and he started a Sunday night service. Now, we do it Tuesday nights now, and I think it's a lot better, but uh, he did it on Sunday nights and started Overflow and started some community-type groups on the campus and did some stuff on Sunday mornings and all that, and so Rob was with us for several years, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Scott was here for several years, Scott got married. And not long after that, he left and went to pastor a church in Chicago, Illinois. All right? Well, before he left, he left me one resume. Scott said, here's a guy that you really ought to look at as a possibility for my replacement. And that guy's name was Austin Wadlow. And Austin at the time was at First Baptist Church in uh, uh, Lubbock, Texas. And he was an associate there in the college ministry. And, and, uh, and he came and Austin began to build upon what Scott had started. And he moved Overflow to Tuesday nights, and he started the uh, more community groups on campus and, and equip here on Sunday mornings. And, and for the last six and a half years, Austin has been building Overflow, and we have seen some amazing things happen uh, through that six and a half years. Well, nine months ago, Austin got married, and now Austin's leaving to go pastor a church. And it seems to be a pattern here at First Baptist Church, you know, that these guys come in, we help them find their wives and get married, and then they go off somewhere else. Now, if you were here last Tuesday night, Austin told you what is happening in he and Leslie's life, and they're going to be moving to, uh, of all places, Iowa. Now, Sunday morning, I got up here, and we announced it to our church, and I said, you know, it's got to be a God thing if somebody is moving to Iowa, because nobody moves there just by choice, or, you know, or for the great weather, or anything like that. Uh, but, as he told you the story, uh, Austin's heart has been in church, being a pastor, and, and really in starting a church for quite some time. And he and I have been talking about that for probably about the last 18 months or so. 
As uh, you know, we had time to visit together and talk about his future, and he just, I could tell in his heart, that's what he wanted to do. And so I, I knew it wouldn't be long before Austin uh, got ready to do that. And he found this opportunity up there in Iowa. And so at the end of this month, uh, he and Leslie are going to be moving to Iowa, and he is going to go through a two year process of preparing to start a church. And he will be the senior pastor of that church. And uh, Leslie will be the first lady of that church. And, and uh, they're going to do some great things up there in Iowa. I do want you to know that First Denton is going to be supporting them financially from the start. We're going to be a part of their salary up there. and So we're going to remain a big part of that. And then once they start that church two years from now, we're going to continue to support it and hopefully send some mission teams up there to help them out and support them financially and all. And so, you know, for me as a pastor now, I've seen three guys through the years come in and serve and do great things here, but I've watched them go on to do even greater things. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I hate it that Austin's leaving. I really do. And, and Leslie, I, you know, I feel like I've just gotten to know her and, and to love her, and now they're leaving. But you know what? When you stay 19 and a half years somewhere, you, you see that happen. And I want to tell you, it happens with you guys. You know, you guys come in here, and you, you come here to college, and you, you start serving in our church, and you serve in the children's or the youth or, or up here on the worship team, and then you graduate, and you leave, and it breaks, you break my heart every time you do that, you know? But again, that's just kind of the nature of our church and where we are here in Denton. And, and so I, I take it as it's our responsibility, and it's our blessing to help guys like Austin and Scott and Rob and then college students like you to hopefully grow in your faith while you're here to become a, a better follower of Jesus Christ, and then to go out into the world and do some great things for the kingdom. And that's what's happening right now in this transition time with Austin. But here's what I want you to hear me say tonight. That's, the, that's kind of the, the past and up to where we are right now in college ministry. Let me talk about the future a little bit. I want you to hear me saying today that college ministry, as it is here at First Baptist Denton, is going to continue just as it has in the past. I told our, our, our church this last Sunday morning, I said, you know, we've had those three college ministers, and, and, and I want to be honest with you, now don't, if you ever meet Scott Venable or you ever meet Rob Merriman, don't tell them this, okay? But, but each of our college ministers has been exponentially better than the one before, okay? And, and if, so if history repeats itself, that means we're in for some great things here at First Den, uh, because whoever comes in here is going to build upon what Austin has done over these last six and a half years. So just, just so you know, overflow on Tuesday nights is going to continue. You know, once Austin, Austin's last Tuesday night is, August, or is February 28th. Okay, so that's, what, three weeks from tonight. And by the way, we're going to have an ice cream fellowship after overflow on that night. Down in the hub, we're going to have some ice cream, and you're going to have the chance to say goodbye to Austin and Leslie. So we already got that plan, and uh, so just get ready for that. We're going to have a little, little ice cream and, uh, and just say goodbye. Uh, now, after that, there are eight weeks left in the semester of overflow. Okay? We already have all eight of those weeks planned for overflow. We've got about five guest speakers. coming. Anybody ever heard of Ashin Zyphat? Anybody ever heard of him? He's a pastor over in Frisco. He's going to be coming. We've got some guy, guy coming from Nashville. We've got a guy coming from North Carolina. Uh, we've got a guy from right here in Denton, Texas. His name is Zach Cunningham. Zach's going to preach. Zach's going to preach three times out of that eight. Okay? So just so you know, we've got great folks coming in. Uh, Jay Wood and, and Aaron are going to be leading the worship just like we've always done. Okay? So nothing's going to change the rest of the semester other than the guy who up here is speaking each week. And I know you're going to miss Austin. I'm going to miss Austin. We're all going to miss Austin. But we've got some great guys that are going to uh, open the God's Word for you and share with you. We're going to continue with the community groups. You know, uh, Devin got up here and said, you know, five of them are already closed. All those community groups are going to continue. We're going to continue what we do on Sunday mornings here. And by the way, if you don't come here on Sunday mornings, 
I, I want to give the, uh, the invitation to do that. At 9.30 on Sunday mornings, we have what we call a quip. And that is uh, teaching opportunities for you as college students to come and be a part of that. And then our 11 o'clock service right here in this room, we've got a great worship team that leads our worship. And, and uh, some guy preaches every week, and so you can come and hear that. But that's on Sundays. And, and you know, if you don't have a church home, you don't go somewhere, come here on Sunday mornings. But I just want you to hear me say it. All that's going to continue. And we've got great leadership in place. You already seen Devin tonight, Rachel Havlick. Uh, Rachel doesn't often get up here, I guess. And, and Zach Cunningham, that's our staff. Those guys are going to continue uh, with everything that, that we've been doing throughout that time. And beginning in March, in the first of March, we're going to start our search for our next college minister, next college pastor, our next Austin Wadlow, who's going to come in. So I want you to be praying about that. And uh, we're going to look over the whole country and find the person that God has chosen. And I believe very firmly, God already knows who it is. He's already got it planned. He's already got the person picked out that's going to come here and lead us. And so we just got to be patient and, and get them in here. My hope is we will have somebody in here for sure by the fall. When we start back with overflow in the fall, we'll have somebody in here and ready to go. And uh, we'll go through the summer and do all the things we do in the summer as well. Uh, by the way, uh, Beach Reach. Beach Reach is on. Uh, matter of fact, Austin didn't do squat with Beach Reach anyway, right? Brandon Fowler does it all. Uh, he does every bit of it. And so all that's good and, and, and all. And uh, mission trips during the summer and all that. So anyway, I, I want you to hear me saying I'm going to miss Austin and, and Leslie uh, terribly. And uh, I hate to see them go. And, and, and you can't replace an Austin Wadlow. You, you really can't. But we're going we're gonna to do our best, okay? We're going to bring in the best that we can uh, to continue on with what he's done and to build upon that. All right, so I just want you to hear that from me tonight before we get into God's Word. As a matter of fact, I, I want us to pray. Let, let's bow our heads and pray tonight. Let's pray for Austin and Leslie as they begin to make this process. You know, that's a long move. They're moving a long way, so there's a lot to be involved with that. Uh, let's pray for the ministry they'll have there. And then let's pray for that person that God has already picked out to come right here to First Den, right here to Overflow, and to lead in the, in the years to come. All right, so let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship we've experienced tonight. Thank you for these uh, students who are here who have taken time out of their busy week to come and to worship you and to fellowship together. Father, we thank you for what has taken place in overflow over the last six and a half years as Austin Wadlow has done such a fantastic job of building your kingdom right here in Denton and then sending out students, Father, for the last six and a half years, literally all over the world, to make a difference in your kingdom. Father, I thank you that you led him here. I thank you for the joy it's been for me to, to, to get to know him and to serve with him here. I thank you, Father, that he met Leslie here. Uh, I know this will always be a special place for them because this is where they met. This is where you brought them together. And so, Father, I pray for them as they go at the end of this month and make a, a big move uh, a long ways away, away from their home here, away from parents, uh, both their parents. Uh, but, Father, I thank you that they're answering your call to go where you've called them. So I pray you would go with them and bless them as they serve there in that place and as they get ready to start a brand new church. Uh, Father, wherever that is, and I'm convinced you've already got that picked out as well. You know exactly where we're going to send them. And I thank you that we as a church here at First Dent will have a part in that and be able to support them and encourage them. And then, Father, I pray for what you're going to do right here in Overflow Ministries uh, in Denton, Texas. And, Lord, I, again, I'm convinced that you already know exactly who's going to come and lead this ministry in the days ahead. And I just pray you would uh, lead us to that person. Uh, Father, uh, uh, in your timing, uh, that that person would come and just continue to build upon what uh, Austin and what Scott before him and what Rob before him 
uh, have done in college ministry here in Denton, Texas. So I thank you for that. Thank you for each of these students here, uh, for others that are part of Overflow. And we just pray your blessings on these, uh, these next months, Father, as we follow you and as often as Leslie follow you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you don't have your Bibles open yet, open them up. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where we are tonight. Kind of the last half of chapter 2, verses 14 through 26 is what my assignment is tonight. And uh, just to remind you, Paul, of course, is the author of this letter. He wrote it to his young contemporary, his young pastor, uh, uh, the guy he was mentoring, named Timothy. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. He wrote probably three letters from prison, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. Uh, this one was the last one. Second Timothy was the last letter many believe that Timothy wrote. Uh, I'm sorry, that, that Paul wrote. And, of course, he wrote it to his, uh, to his young contemporary. So he'd been in prison at this point probably five years. I would imagine it, it's not like prisons we have today. You know, he didn't have cable TV and, and all that kind of stuff. Instead, it was a dungeon. It was probably cold and damp. Most of his contemporaries were gone now. Only Luke was kind of the, probably the only guy that was kind of there close by that he could actually have fellowship with and, and, and talk with. And, and so literally, uh, he knew he was at the end of his life. And as a matter of fact, tradition tells us, it's not in Scripture, but tradition tells us that not long after he wrote 2 Timothy, Paul was beheaded. Uh, he was put to death and, of course, went to heaven uh, to be there for all of eternity. But right before he left, thinking about his young a minister in the faith, he wrote this letter to encourage him, to equip him, to teach him what he wanted him to know. And we get the privilege of sort of looking over Paul's shoulder and seeing what he was writing to Timothy. And hopefully, as well, being encouraged by it and being taught by it and being equipped by it to be believers now in 2017, uh, you know, well over 2,000 years after Paul wrote this letter. Most believe he wrote it in about the year 66 A.D., so if you think about that, Jesus probably died somewhere around 33, 34, 35, 36 A.D. So we're talking about 30 years after Jesus is gone. That's when Paul writes this letter to his friend Timothy and right before he died. All right, so chapter 2. Let me just kind of cover, uh, you know, Austin covered off those first 13 verses last week. But what we have here in chapter 2 is, is Paul basically saying to Timothy, here is what a pastor does. Here is what a pastor does ought to be. And he gives them seven things here in chapter two. Now, four of them we saw last week as Austin went through them. And I'll just remind you of those in just a second. But these last three are in verses 14 through 26. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I don't need to hear this. I'm not going to be a pastor. God hadn't called me to be a pastor. Well, that's okay because all seven of these things apply to any believer. All right. Timothy was going to be a pastor. So he was training him in that way. But all seven of these apply to anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me just remind you of the, the first four, all right? In verses one and two, he says that you're to be a steward, a steward. Now, a steward is somebody who's given a trust of something that someone else owns, and you're supposed to take care of it. How many have ever taken care of somebody's dog while they went on vacation? Anybody, right? How many have ever house-sit? Anybody ever house-sit for somebody? Anybody ever house-sit like in a mansion, you know, a big old huge house or something like that, nobody? All right, I was asked to house-sit one time when I was in college. And it was a guy that I knew from my church, and he said, hey, we want you to stay at our house these three nights and take care of our dogs and all that. Well, the first night, I got home a little later than I was supposed to, and he called. Now, this was before the day, let's tell you how old I am. This was before the days of cell phones, okay? We didn't have cell phones, so he called the landline there, and I didn't answer. That's the only time I ever got asked to house sit that guy's house. But he had one of those big houses, big mansion house, and I was entrusted 
with that house to take care of it. Well, that's what a steward is. A steward is someone who's entrusted something to take care of. And basically what Paul is saying is, you and I as believers, we are entrusted with the word of God. God has entrusted his word to us. We're to take care of it. We don't own it, but we're to take care of it. Second picture he gives here is that of a soldier. Verses 3 and 4, he talks about a soldier. Now, has anybody in here, anybody in here ever served in the military? Any, we got any military? Okay, I thought, you know, sometimes, every once in a while, somebody goes to the military before they go to school. We got, oh, we got one right here, all right. You're about to. All right, well, good. We'll read verses 3 and 4, and I'll tell you what you're going to do, all right? I just say that to say a soldier is somebody who's committed, all right? If you're going to do that, you're going to be committed to the task. You're going to be one that uh, goes through some hardships. Soldier goes through hardship, especially if they're deployed to a foreign country or somewhere, uh, you know, living in tents, maybe living in harsh conditions. A soldier is also committed to the entire army or to the entire group of soldiers that are there. And then finally, I would say he is also under the very strong command of a commanding officer. Whatever he's told to do, that's what he better do. And he's faithful to all who are there. What is the Marine Simplified Ellis? Always faithful. Always faithful to the task. Well, Paul says that's what we're to be as Christians. We're to be always faithful to the task and to know we're going to go through some hardships in life. We're going to go through some storms and difficulties in life, but a Christian, a follower, is a soldier. Number three, an athlete. In verse five, he talks about the fact that we are to be like an athlete. Now, some of you are athletes. Some of you wish you were athletes. I guess all of us kind of wish we were athletes. You know, an athlete is somebody who obviously is dedicated to a sport, is dedicated to a task, they work out, they prepare themselves, they try to get in the best shape they can in order to perform in the way they do. By the way, Julio Jones, the guy from Atlanta, is he not a freak or what? Did you see the catch he made in the Super Bowl? I mean, the dude was laid out, caught that thing, got both feet in ground. That's an athlete, all right? And, and I don't think there are many in here in this room or anywhere near what that guy is. But he spent years getting to that point. Well, that's the way we are as Christians. We're to spend years growing in our faith, doing those things. Another thing about an athlete is he always follows the rules. Follows the rules. If he doesn't, football, you're going to get a flag. Uh, basketball, you're going to get a foul. Whatever it is, he follows the task. So uh, there's an athlete. And finally, the last one that we've already seen is the farmer. Verses 6 and 7, we see the farmer. Anybody grow up on a farm? Anybody? All right, a couple did. All right. You know, one word I would say about a farmer, hard working. All farmers are hardworking. My very first church was in China Spring, Texas, right outside of Waco. Uh, I was the pastor there. We had about 50 or 60 people on Sunday mornings. But we had a guy in our church, and I can't remember his name, but he was a dairy farmer. He had 100 cows that he milked every day at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. Took him about two hours to milk those cows. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. That's four hours. What does he do the rest of the day? Well, I'll tell you what he did the rest of the day. He grew his own feed for those cows. So in between, he was out there in the fields, plowing the fields and planting the fields and fertilizing them and doing all those kind of things. I mean, this guy worked from sun up to sun down. That's what a farmer does. A farmer is hard working all the time. Likewise, we as Christians are to be hard workers when it comes to taking God's word and using those things. All right, so all that's already been covered. Let's get to verse 14, though, and let's see these last three, and let's kind of take a little time on each of these to see what he says we're to be as Christians, all right? Verses 14 through 18, he talks about a workman. Now, this is a little bit like the farmer, a little bit, but a workman. So let's begin reading verse 14. Paul says, Remind them of these things 
and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Anybody go through Awanas when they were growing up? Anybody? All right, that's the Awana verse right there. That's kind of the key word, verse for those who are in Awanas. To study, show yourself approved. A workman needs not be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. All right, verse uh, uh, next, verse 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their tar- talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. All right, let's stop right there for a minute. Let's talk about a workman. What is a workman? It specifically says a workman is one who should do his best to show himself approved. Now, that word approved uh, means really uh, to pass inspection. Okay? So if you do some work and somebody comes in and inspects it, then you are approved, you might say. So as Christians, as believers, when God inspects us, he's either going to be checking the approved box or scripture says he's going to check maybe the ashamed box. How many of you remember the first job you ever had? Let me see your hands. How many of you still do not have your first job? Let me see. Okay, not currently. You don't have to do that. I remember my first job. I was in eighth grade, junior high. And a guy by the name of Paul Kahn lived right behind us. We had one of those neighborhoods where we have alleys behind our house. And the garages were in the back. Well, he lived just on the other side of the alley from us. And he was a young guy, probably in his late 20s, and, and uh, had a wife and a child. And, and I remember he came up to me one day and he said, hey, Jeff, would you like, would you like to work for me? And uh, I was like, yeah, sure. How much you pay? And uh, he paid a whopping $5 an hour, okay? And that was a lot of money back then. He was a home builder, and they built houses in North Dallas, okay? If you know Dallas, uh, I lived in, in the southern part of Dallas, in DeSoto, and he was building all these houses up in North Dallas. He said, I need somebody to help me uh, with, with some of the house stuff. And I said, all right, yeah, I'd I like to do it. And so his wife sometimes would get me after school and drive me up there to that place. And, and what we normally did was we, we landscaped the houses. Once they built the houses, you need to put some bushes in front, so make it look good, and so I would plant the bushes. But every once in a while, he'd have a different job for me to do. And on this particular day, he took me to this house that was being built. They were actually still framing it, all right? So the foundation was there, but the framers were there. The carpenters were there putting up the framework and all that. And he had this one wall. As I remember, it was probably about as tall as this thing here. And, and it went down to the ground, and then there was cement all along where you see the wood right there. Now, what they were going to do was they were going to put dirt up against that cement. And so before they did that, though, you had to put black tar all over that wall. So guess what my job was? <laughs> I'm going to get to put the black tar on the wall. And so i never forget, I had a big old bucket of that black tar out there, and I had a big paintbrush, and, and so I was out there, you know, dipping that stuff in there and putting it on. And all the, all the carpenter guys, they started calling me Tar Baby. Hey, Tar Baby, come over here and get me this and that. It was not my best day of work. I just want to admit it to you. But, but those guys, they finished, and they left, and, and, and about, I don't know, probably about... 4 o'clock, 4.30, something like that, the roach coach came up. Anybody know what the roach coach is? Roach coach, you know, all right. All right, roach coach was, was a, a truck, kind of like the food trucks out here a little bit. Don't tell those guys.